today to This Needs to Be Said, TNTBS, and I am your host, Catherine Waddell. There is such a need for people to be able to be truthful today. We've been tactful all around the world, and in the midst of that, trying to fit in so we conform, we want to be accepted. Then one day you ask yourself, what is my truth? While digging through a lot of baggage, gathered from wanting to belong somewhere and not sure what you believe, there's a crying out for all those things that should be said that are not being said. No longer will we pretend that there are no issues to address or that we are only going to talk about certain ones. This show, coupled with our blog site and our website, will be the beginning of you finding your way. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. You were thinking it? We're going to talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us for this midweek business with Rhonda Nails and Lee McLeod. We're going to get into a couple of topics. One, Rhonda is going to teach you um, about what a success instigator is and actually how she got that name. So we're going to get some of her story. And we're going to talk with Lee McLeod, and she's going to give you five specific strategies you can use when talking to customers. Have you ever had a moment when you feel like when you're saying something, the people receiving it aren't understanding it, like you're speaking two different languages? Well, Lee is going to help you uh, give you – she's going to help by giving you some powerful tips on – making sure the communication is clear on both ends. And I'm looking forward to this because I feel like that a lot. Okay, I'm saying something, and I feel like the other person is hearing something completely different, and I'm wondering if we're speaking two different languages. I'm speaking Greek, and they're speaking Spanish. So let's just get um, our pen and paper out. Class is in session. I'm getting ready to learn myself because a lot of times in business, I feel like I'm running into this, and I get frustrated sometimes. So how do I avoid the frustration as well as how do you avoid the frustration? We'll be back after a short break, and we're going to be joined by Lee McLeod. Most 
people never stop to realize that we do 99% of all of our writing on a keyboard. By learning touch typing, you can increase your writing speed up to five times. This makes it especially important for kids to learn. On www.typekids.com, children can learn touch typing the fun way. They join Captain Forty on a treasure hunt and play different games. The course is based on an intelligent algorithm that adapts exercises to the needs of each child. Have a look at www.typekids.com and try the first three lessons for free.
Thank you so much for joining us today for This Needs to Be Said. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. This is our midweek business conversation with Rhonda Nails and Lee McLeod. We're going to get started with Miss Lee McLeod of LeeMcLeod.com, and we're going to talk about the frustration of whenever you're speaking and it seems like the person you're speaking to mm-hmm. does not hear what you're saying, like they hear something completely different. Lee, welcome. welcome hey, back. good morning, Catherine. How you doing? Or good afternoon, I I'm guess, at your time zone. Yeah, it depends on what time zone we're in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. When you set this topic, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I've, been this, I've been in this space a lot. So yeah. I'm going to turn over to you and got yeah. my pen and paper out and ready to learn some stuff. Okay. Yeah, it, it is one of the most uh, It is one of the most challenging and frustrating things. You know, no matter where you go, you see communication really cited as one of the most critical skills and competencies that you need to be successful and it doesn't matter whether you're running your own business or you're in a job or frankly if you're a parent or a spouse or partner or anything else um, Harvard Business Review subscribers were asked to evaluate what they thought were the skills that made someone most promotable you know in a big organization and the number one skill they uh, they rated was communication and in their estimation it was it it ranked more higher on the scale than things like ambition and education and hard work so if you're out there running a business and you are ambitious and you have a great education and you work hard if you can't communicate i i think that same rule kind of applies you know it's very difficult to be successful when you can't get your message across because we use our messages for so many things. I mean, there's your basic communication. We're talking about, you know, what's happening in the day. But then there's also those really important things you want to do with communication, like influencing people or mm-hmm. helping people make decisions or, um, you know, convincing someone that, what, that you have something that addresses a need they have or getting people to work for you or, uh, selecting uh, partners who you want to convince your great uh, partner for. So communication, uh-huh. you know, it isn't just something we do. It's something that we have outcomes and expectations around. Like if I have this conversation with a potential customer, then I have, you know, the opportunity to turn them into a paying customer. So the interesting thing is that it's so much more complicated than that. And I read this interesting statistic yesterday, I mean recently, not yesterday, that whenever we communicate, there's a theory that there's really, even though you may be communicating with one other person, what this theory says is that there are really six, you know, six people involved. So let me tell you who those six people are, and then you'll see quickly why communication is so complicated. The first person is uh, who you think you are, so it's like your self-perception. The second person who's involved is who you think the other person is. The third person that's involved is who you think the other person thinks you are. (laughs) And then who the other person thinks he or she is, who the other person thinks you are, and who the other person thinks you think he or she is. I know that's kind of complicated when you think about it. That but it's basically is. That is. who you wow. think you are for both of you, who you think the other person is for both of you, and then how you believe that other person perceives you for both of you, all of which could be three very different viewpoints and, and really, um, really serve, you know, really affect and influence how we communicate. So 
with that, you know, it's funny too, Catherine, because you know I work a lot with uh, individual clients one-on-one in coaching, and some and sometimes they have regular jobs, and sometimes they're people in businesses. And what I want to share today are like five really clear strategies for communicating that help you to open up the conversation and try to break through some of the barriers that we um, put up when we're communicating, all right? Uh-huh. So the the first one is, uh, I want to tell you a story about, a. I was talking to a college student recently, and he had come back from a, he had a very, actually a really nice internship in the UK with a major hotel chain. And so he was in London, and I asked him, I said, what was the most difficult thing about working there and immediately he said oh my gosh he said one thing that a lot of americans figure out when they go to the uk or london is that it's way more diverse than most of the places that we live because you have people from so many different countries coming in there and he said what was so hard was that everyone who was there literally had come from a different place and spoke with a different accent and had a different native language and had a different job. So he said, the hardest thing I had to do was figure out how to communicate to everyone in a way that they could understand me. And wow. I just thought that was okay. a, that's a perfect metaphor for today because uh, – whether they're people from other countries or have, you know, dialects or, you know, use words in a different way than we do, our biggest challenge when we communicate, whether it's to a funder or a customer or a partner, is to communicate in a way that other people can hear you. So he said he had to figure out, okay, where are they from? How good is their English? Uh, what is the job they're doing? Uh, what you know? How do I need to communicate this? Do I need? Is this? Are they going to like this better if I give it to them in writing? Are they going to like this better if I have a conversation with them? Um, you know, what is the best way to communicate? Do they want something on a piece of paper? Do they want an email? Because every person, and particularly in this particular case, when you get into people that don't speak English as a native language, some people prefer to look at something in writing versus speak it. Some people prefer to listen versus see it in writing depends on what their competency is in now that's Mm -hmm. a very extreme example but if you think about the conversations we have every day um, you could imagine how easy it is to complicate our communication when we don't really understand what the other person's point of view is and that's really my under underwriting message for today is really understand what that other person's point of view is Um, you know one thing I say a lot uh, and I noticed this when I was working in my career, and I definitely see it working with clients, is everything that we are is a product of our our life experience, our family of origin experiences, our beliefs. You know, to, to, for many of us, it's, it's influenced by faith or just what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about other people, the assumptions we carry about how the world mm-hmm. is. Um, the cultural influences, you know, did we come from a different country or a different part of the country? Did we have a different experience growing up than the person you're mm-hmm. talking to? All of that stuff factors into how we communicate. And the problem with all of it is you can't see any of it. You know, I might be able to see what you look like or what color your hair is or your eyes are or whatever, but I don't mm-hmm. see all of that other stuff. Think about the iceberg, right? So the iceberg... Mm-hmm has a very small part on top that you can see, and that's the part of us having the conversation. But underneath that huge part of the iceberg that's under the waterline, 
that's where all this stuff, you know, like my personal history, my values, my beliefs, my assumptions, my language competency, my cultural background, mm-hmm. my, you know, my personal perspectives all come into play in not only how I hear you, but then also how I communicate with you. Um, one metaphor that I use is, uh, you know, if you've ever seen, um, um, if you've ever cooked bacon and you have that splatter screen that you put over your bacon when it's frying in the pan, if you can imagine, you know, it's a big round, what, like a 12-inch round screen with a handle on it. Well, if you can imagine holding that in front of your mouth when you're talking, for example, imagine when you're communicating with someone that, that we have all those same beliefs and assumptions and unseen influences when we're communicating. So if you're holding that little splatter screen in front of your face, basically everything you say is going out through your filter, and then the person you're saying it to has their own filter that, you know, picture them holding it in front of their ears, absorbing what you're saying, and they are filtering everything that's come out of your filter through their filter. And so imagine how much interpretation and, uh, you know, implication there is in how we communicate. And that gets down to the part where what you mentioned at the beginning, just because you said it, it doesn't mean they hurt you. (laughs) You Yeah, and oh my gosh. Do you even add in there the sexes? Because not only am mm-hmm. I talking from the six people that you listed, um, that, yeah. was, that was like a mind, mind twister there, mind bender, but then do you account for if it's a male t- talking to a female or vice versa or even adult talking to a child? You know, yeah, does that absolutely. make the six people more or is it still the same six people? Right. I, I think, well, if you go back to that, um, the six people, and uh, if you look at that, what you'll see is, for example, um, who you think the other person is. So you might think that other person is uh, a professional male. So say you're talking to someone who runs a business, and you think, oh, uh-huh. I, I think that other person is a professional male who runs a business. Therefore, I might have made all these assumptions about him. He'll understand what I'm saying. He has the same interest in making money that I do. Uh, he is very customer-oriented because I'm customer-oriented. So who we think that other person is, whether it's a male or a female, we're, we're kind of at some level making some assumptions about what we think that person is. And that I do believe that uh-huh. includes gender as well as generations. Uh-huh. Like you hear it a lot uh, in my line of work around job search, oh, you know, those Gen Yers, uh, they, don't, uh, they aren't interested in working very hard. So if you're having a conversation with a Gen Yer and that's your opinion or your assumption, who you think that other person is might very well be, well, one of you, you know, I think that other person might be one of those lazy Gen Yers. You bring that to the conversation. You might be speaking to them condescendingly or pejoratively, oh. or you might be oh. making assumptions about how smart they are, how smart they're not. One, one thing that I realized very, in my very first experience working internationally and because we live in such a diverse culture, this is so true. Um, and I, and it, I wasn't intentional at all. I wasn't even doing it consciously. But because I started working with so many people who spoke broken English, you know, when mm-hmm. you deal, I had I had staff people that were in Spain and staff people that were in China, who who spoke you know okay English but very broken. And there's a the tendency was in my brain to uh-huh. to. Uh, not give them enough credit for their smarts because they struggled with speaking English. Uh-huh. And 
again, I was doing that totally unconsciously, but I, I could often sense, oh, okay, we've got this, you know, we're the Americans, we have this figured out, which is totally not an okay perspective to have. But I almost couldn't help it because I couldn't correlate high intelligence to someone speaking broken English. It just, my brain wouldn't make it work. It was a complete cognitive dissonance. I didn't get it. And and the longer I worked with people overseas and really were, it was able to work in specific projects with them, I realized how incredibly brilliant they all were. But it was very uh-huh. hard for me to see that at first because my filter was, you speak good English, you must be very smart. Then you're intelligent. And I, yeah. yeah. And it's a very small thing. But think about um, one time I, I was doing a session in a nonprofit that I volunteered for with a group of high school. It happened that that day. Only girls came in, and we had a group of high school girls. And, uh, you know, which is an interesting, it was a very, um, it was a diverse mix. I think we had some gals from Hispanic background. We had someone who had come from um, Asia or Tibet. Her family had migrated out to Tibet and crossed deserts and all kinds of interesting things. And we talked about how in the school cafeteria, for example, you walk in and you decide you don't like somebody or somebody feels picked on or whatever, And we were talking about a situation where you might look at somebody and think, oh, she thinks she's so cool. You know, who does she think she is? You know, she's all stuck up, whatever. And they were saying, Uh I said, have you ever felt like that? And they were like, yeah, you know, we've, yeah, totally. Yeah, I know who those, those girls are. And I said, well, maybe um, you're, you know, who you think that person is. Right. So now how are you talking to that person? Right. How are you treating Mm -hmm. that person? How are you communicating with that person? You know, when in fact, I said, maybe that person's just really scared and new to the environment and doesn't know anyone and feels really super insecure. So they just kind of fold up into themselves and and you perceive that as stuck up. So think about the chain of events that happens in a place like a high school or, um, you know, any kind of a peer group meeting where you you see someone you think they are stuck up or egotistical or they even maybe think the same way you do you do and that's you know that that really in a long in a large way influences how you communicate with them so it gets uh-huh. you know, when you start thinking about it like that um, when you when you said that and you said high school kids so i'm thinking um the kids we thought were most popular in school the most likely mm-hmm. to succeed and when you mm-hmm. said that i kind of i kind of flashed back and kind of i flashed back because we thought that this person would be so much further along, and then 20-plus years after high school, you look back and you say, man, I really thought that person would have, you know, done this, or right. they would have gone into, you know, this profession or that sport, or they've been successful at this, or I thought that person would be married by now, or, or whatever perception, whatever we thought right. we saw when we saw that person. And when we get, you know, years past, that person says, I was really shy in school. And you're thinking, but you were the captain exactly. of the football team. You know, so yeah, those exactly. things are amazing. Yeah. Those, Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have that that big window of time when when I'm meeting that person for the first time. Then years later, you can get retrospect, maybe. But yeah, yeah I've exactly. run into that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of wow. the things that I I always say is, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is you know really understand why you're thinking what you're thinking. So, so our step one today is, or one of our first strategies is, you have to understand what the other person's point of view is. And there's so many ways um, you can check that. I mean, you can simply say, "Hmm, I wonder what's important to this person," or "Well, I wonder what this person thinks about this particular issue," or "You know, I wonder what this person really cares about most on this issue." Is you know, a way to really get, really walk in the other person's shoes is one of the best ways to think about communicating effectively because then you'll have a better understanding of of what your um, 
of what your challenges are going to be and also where you're going to have alignment with them about, uh, you know, about what you're communicating on. Um, and, and a great example of that is, for example, say you're the, the intern at the hotel in the U.K., and this person might be from another country and they're very insecure about their English. And uh, you say, and they say, uh, if you can send me something on email, that would be better because I, you know, but they might not say because it's easier for me to read it. They might just say, could you send me that on email? But say you're the American intern and you're like, I'm telling you right now, what do you mean send it to you on email? You know, it doesn't, you know, you're making extra work for me. So even just understanding, say, wow, that's interesting. I wonder why this person wants it on email. There's probably, most people have a logical reason for everything they do. But that person might not be very confident. They might not feel confident enough to say, it's easier for me to read it. I understand it better. Like they might be embarrassed to say that. So well, they may not even people. know to put it into those words. Exactly. As a teacher, yeah, as an educator, one of the things that I miss a lot of times, though they trained us when I got my degree, that people learn differently. We get locked into the right. way that we learn and the way that well, we that's do an, things. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great <laughs> variation of it because some people are better when they hear it. Some people are better when they read it. Some people are better yep. when they experience when they it. It just depends. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, that, and that, that's a neat thing, and this is just a tidbit I'm going to throw out there. I wasn't planning to do this, but as entrepreneurs, that's how you very, very, you know, you take the same information and you um, make it diverse. I, that's not very the word good. I want to use, but you, get the, um, you, you take the same information and you have it audio, you have it video, you have it maybe a workshop right. where they come in person, you have it in print. And I've listened to people right. say the same thing that you just said. Well, they're making more work for me. No, they're creating an opportunity for you yeah. to listen. I'd buy this from you if you put it in a format right. that I could, you know, afford it or, or, or that I could receive it, not afford it. Um, afford is good, too. <laughs> but if yeah. you put it in a format <laughs> that I can receive it, I take it. But for me, I like to hear it and see it. So if you have a workbook right. and the audio, I'm buying the workbook and the audio, so you've sold me two products. Some people just need one or the other. So right. just diversifying could benefit you greatly, and then it, it stretches us. And the thing is we don't like to be mm-hmm. stretched. Don't make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. no matter how much I say I want to change or how mm-hmm. open I am to people. And I love it when people say I'm a people person because mm-hmm. they didn't know, and I didn't know before starting start this conversation with you today that we have six people between us talking, even though there's two physical beings yeah, there. Yeah, I imagine that. We're having mm-hmm. a, because a lot of times I'm going, what, and I say this to people, what did you hear? I just mm-hmm. said, blah, 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 what did you hear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's amazing, like, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. And I was like, well, I thought you said, I, like, I didn't say any of that stuff. This is well, what and I that's said. why, yeah, I think your point about mul- multiple modalities, you know, putting something in a blog, putting something in an audio, putting something in a video, all good, putting something in a worksheet where they can take notes and write in and make it interactive are all great ways to reach your marketing your marketing audience. And I think that's why a lot of the, um, you know, and I, I know you preach this too, but a lot of the, the, pro- the process of doing research when you're doing a business is ask people lots of questions because you uh-huh. cannot assume you know what your customer understands or knows or feels uh-huh. or will tell you uh-huh. unless you go out and do that, you know, feet on the street interview um, and uh-huh. really get to the pain point of what they're feeling. And even to the point where, you know, somebody sent me an article the other day and it said, I think there was an article in the Atlantic recently um, that said something like, 
you know, people, we want to eat vegetables. Like people in a survey will say, yes, I eat vegetables all the time. But if you watch their behavior, it's very different, and their hand will be in the candy mm. bowl, right? Mm. So even think about that. And, again, it goes back to who that other person thinks they are because I think I'm the person who eats vegetables, but really I'm, I'm, I'm totally overdosing on M&Ms. And now try to Listen, create marketing messages. You have, to, you have to stop right there for a minute because that is such a relationship thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh guys, if your mate thinks that they you they do yard work all the time or they clean the house all the time and they always and always mm-hmm. is the word you should never use, right? Yeah, exactly. Always and then they say Yeah, and then they say, You well you never do this. It's like but I, I did that yesterday. Okay, but you didn't do it today. So it's just it's like wow and the perception yeah. that I eat vegetables all the time, great analogy. And you're thinking, yeah. Okay, you never cook. Um, you don't have yeah. food in your house. You don't know where any of the farmer's markets are. And if I ask you any health tips, because people eat vegetables, tend to be healthier. I'm asking you for health tips. You're acting like I'm bothering you. So it's yeah. interesting uh, when people say that. Now, my question to you in that is how do you handle that? Like uh, if you're having a conversation with someone and they say, I eat vegetables all the time, and you notice that they don't really, not necessarily that you're trying to call them out, but you say, yeah. well, you know, where do you get your produce? Or, you know, just give me some tips yeah. this person gets an attitude with you, it, it, how, do you how do you handle that? Because for me, I would say, well, you eat M&M's anyway. I knew you weren't going to know, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think those kinds do? of conversations, like when you're talking to customers, are really important. And I, and I always think, I, you know, I say all the time, I think one of the most powerful communication weapons we have as people is ask, the ability to ask questions. So, uh, it, you know, if you have a customer who's saying, yeah, I, I always eat vegetables, well, tell me about that. Tell me, tell me about what your practices are. You know, tell me how, tell me about what you cook. Tell me about what you, um, tell me about uh, how you plan your menus. And then mm-hmm. you can reverse the question and say, what is the hardest thing about, you know, sticking to a healthy diet? Or what is the hardest thing about, insert the situation that you're in and and then you might hear someone say oh well yeah when the m&m bowl is there i mean that is too much right so it i think it's acknowledging where people think they are but then also carrying them through a sense of a series of questions that help them get to Mm -hmm. really what the pain point is which is when there's a bowl of m&ms around i can't keep my hand out of it you know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And what is that like for you? And when, when you eat M&Ms, what is the pain that that causes? And how does that affect the other areas of, oh, I don't feel confident, I feel fat, I don't feel good about myself, I feel like I cheated on my, you know, whatever. I feel like I'm not healthy. Okay, now you're getting into the real pain points that you can, you know, create messages around, you know, that you can uh, target your customer's need around. It's, uh-huh. you know, one of those, it goes back to one of those, uh, those um concept of marketing is to you know give people what they want uh, uh, but sell people what they want but give them what they need so you might sell them a way Uh to manage eating your m&ms while also helping them figure out how to create a more healthy diet where you have a higher percentage of vegetables you you answer my question there because i was like how do you do that okay yeah 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 so i think that um, that is one of the most powerful sources of opportunity we have when we're in conversation in any level is to ask questions to help get, you know, and one of the points I had today was to go back to your um, point about I'm saying I do and you're saying I don't is 
a lot of one of the tips is to avoid what I call position defending. So say in your conversation example, Catherine, well, yeah, I just mowed the I just mow the lawn. I mow the lawn all the time. Well, you didn't do it yesterday. So one way you can avoid – so you can have that discussion all day long, right? Well, yes, I do. Well, no, I don't. And there, nothing is going to come of that because all you're going to do is keep defending this position and the other person is going to keep defending that position. And that doesn't really enable communication. So one of the, one of the, one of the ideas around breaking that down is to start asking people questions about their position rather than just pushing back so they, all they want to do is defend it. So, so when you say you do that all the time – Help me understand what all the time means. Or um, when yeah, you say you yeah. always do that, you know, give me a sense for what always means to you or so that it's always kept up. Well, what does that mean to you? Well, to the other person, it may, may mean once a week. To you, it may mean every day. Oh, okay, so we fundamentally don't agree on what keeping up that thing looks like. Now you're having a different conversation. Now you can negotiate around that versus just yes, no, yes, no, yes, Attack you are, no, you're them. not. Okay. Right. So that position defending is another way that we can um, have a better uh, conversation. And instead of just defending what we believe, uh, we can ask people, tell me more about what you're, how you're defining that. In, in, the, in the school of facilitation, like, um, you know, very often I'm in the middle of a conversation, but I'm helping two other people and, and we might be talking about something. And when you do facilitation of, you know, difficult conversations or meetings or anything, strategy planning sessions or board planning sessions, one of the primary rules of facilitation is to make sure that you define the words you're using. So, for example, always, right? Well, so uh-huh. if you were in a conversation, if I were facilitating a conversation, I'd say, well, wait a minute, Catherine. Uh-oh, where'd you go? Did you press mute? Lee, did you press mute? All right, let's try to get Lee back on the line. I think we muted somehow. Most people never stop to realize that we do 99% of all of our writing on a keyboard. By learning touch typing, you can increase your writing speed up to five times. This makes it especially important for kids to learn. On www.typekids.com, Children can learn touch typing the fun way. They join Captain 40 on a treasure hunt and play different games. The course is based on an intelligent algorithm that adapts exercises to the needs of each child. Have a look at www.typekids.com and try the first three lessons for free. All right, we got Lee back. All right, now you were saying something and then it just kind of went away. Oh my gosh, Comcast. Where what where did I leave off, do you know? No. I was there and then I was saying where did she go? Oh gosh. Well, what I was saying was I'll just I'll just start anywhere. What I was saying is the position defending piece, one of the mm-hmm. primary things you need to do is really define how you're going to use a word. In when you're having conversations, particularly, you know, for example, if you're talking to a customer and you're saying, um, we're going to give you a great experience in improving your nutrition and losing weight. Okay. Well, 
you have to define what a great experience is because that person has a perception of what a great experience is, might be eating M&Ms all day. But but you have to say, you know, this is what, when we say great experience, we mean this. You know, this is what that's going to look like. You're not going to feel hungry. You're going to enjoy the food that you cook. You're, go, you're not going to have to starve yourself. You're going to get to eat some of those sweets, at, you know, so you're not feeling deprived or you're not feeling like you don't get to have any fun. And that's how we're going to make this a great experience for you. Um, otherwise, people will take the word great experience and interpret it their own way. And then if you don't meet that expectation, which is unsaid, they're disappointed in what you've produced and vice versa, right? So whether you're having a personal conversation or you're, um, you know, talking to a customer, understanding what you mean when you say certain words is one of the most effective ways you can avoid misunderstandings and uh, the risk of, you know, miscommunication and unmet expectations being a problem. Mm, it does. That makes sense. It does. It, it makes complete sense. But it, it, that thing was like you're constantly thinking, conversation, communication constantly have you thinking, and it would make me just be yeah. quiet more often. I just I get mm-hmm. tired because it's like why why is this so difficult? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah, so you see why it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah, I do. I didn't realize all those people were involved. Yeah, you didn't realize all those so people were in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know it's crowded. There's more than just an elephant in the room. Lee, do you want to go exactly. ahead and recap? <laughs> do you want to yeah. go ahead and recap the five strategies yes. and get yes. your website? Yep, sure thing. So the first thing we want to do when communicate effectively is really understand where that person is coming from and engage their point of view. The next thing that I would I want you to do is avoid defending your position and instead engage in asking questions to help understand what the other's position is. You know, Covey said, seek first to understand then to be understood literally work on that. A couple of other tips, and touched on this briefly, is always stick with the facts. You know, the always, never, the assumptive thinking. Instead of doing that, get to facts. Really find out, well, what are the facts here? And that will help you from running off and letting your imagination run wild. Uh, Fourth is get comfortable with silence. There's nothing wrong with silence. Let somebody say something. Let it sit there for a while. You can absorb it. They can absorb it. There's, communication isn't a sprint. You know, it's not who can talk the most and the fastest wins. Use silence uh-huh. strategically. And then uh-huh. one very simple t- tip is, have you ever said, oh, that's a great idea, Catherine, but we don't want to do that today. And when you use the word but, after, particularly after you pay someone a compliment, like to tr- pivot them into telling, you, telling them how you don't like their idea, as soon as you say but, people stop listening to whatever good thing you said that came before it. So you could say it two ways. I love that idea, Catherine, but we need to do it differently. Or I love that idea, Catherine, and here's another way we could do it. See the yeah, difference between like using but I and do. using and. I do, because I've heard people say but like negates everything you said everything. before that. And yeah. it's like, wow, like how, even when I'm typing, I have to, I'm, it's like I'm using but yes. less. <laughs> yes. Use less yeah. but. I like that. That's Use less. <laughs> no more Use but. Use less but. but. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, so it's try a, those a challenge. And One of the things I like to do when I'm talking with a group of people and we're trying to get people to give their ideas, because people are shy about giving ideas if they think it could possibly get shot down. No one ever yes. asks my ideas, or we never do what I want to do. There's, right. you know, this rule for five minutes, no idea is stupid. And in five minutes, you're going to go on to so many ideas. And you can take one idea and marry it to another idea and take pieces. And I love the brainstorm sessions like that. 
No idea is mm-hmm. a bad idea, so no one can say, oh, that was stupid. No, because for five minutes, no idea is a bad idea. But who's watching the clock? Because we're, we're shooting out ideas, and we're trying to come up with many different products possibly, or we're trying to come up with maybe um, different business names. Whatever the project is you're working on as mm-hmm. a group, you, you're mm-hmm. just shooting some things out. Because all you really want as a group leader is to get the juices flowing. It's not mm-hmm. about you say something and we commit to it right away. A lot of right. times I'm leading a group and we don't even do any of the stuff I put out there. And it used to hurt my feelings. So I understood, you know, when mm-hmm. people, I understand when people say, nobody ever picks my idea. Well, it may not be for this particular project. And you're just saying something because mm-hmm. it felt good and clever, but it doesn't right. really fit what we're doing. And without saying all of that, your idea yeah. isn't a bad idea. It doesn't mean we'll never use it, you know, but as we look at all the, the things for this vision, do you think that will fit in for this one? And that person can say, no, it doesn't really fit for this one. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to find a place that that fits because you That's don't want right. anyone to feel exactly. like they can't. And, and it's not necessarily making everyone happy, but at this moment, I'm not saying but, <laughs> and uh-huh. I'm not throwing right. out you know, your value to the group. And it happens mm-hmm. a lot of times, and it, that's, that's another challenging communication. How do you mm-hmm. include everybody? How do you not exactly. have that person standing off by themselves just kind of doing busy work? You just want to keep them busy so your numbers look good in your group. So exactly. it's such a challenge. Such it's a, it's a, a never-ending challenge. challenge, and absolutely we've got to stay on it in order to be successful at it. And I talk about this a lot on my blog. You can find me at com, and that's L E A. M C L E O D dot com and uh, follow me on Twitter and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to have you in my community and uh, we talk about all these kinds of good things at work, whether you're in a job or running a business, self-leadership, self-management, communication, conflict management, all that kind of good stuff. So come find me and I'd love to chat with you. All right. We've been talking with Ms. Lee McLeod of LeeMcLeod.com. Thank you, Lee, and we'll see you back here on next month. All right. Sounds great, Catherine. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened, arisen, uh, somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, morning, how are you? Fine, thanks, in you. It's amazing. Wherever that abides in the human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed or celibate, we rise.
one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment and yet each of us has awakened arisen uh, somehow made our ablution seen other human beings and said morning how are you fine thanks in you it's amazing wherever that abides in the human being there is the nobleness of the human spirit despite it all black and white Asian Spanish Native American pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, 
Does my sassiness affect you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just because I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons with the certainty of tides. Just like hope springing high. Still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes. Shoulders falling down like teardrops. Weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. <laughs> As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I'll rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh, does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history, shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, naturally, there I go right. This segment of This Needs to Be Said is brought to you by me to the power of we.com to shift your mindset to be a better you. Connect at me to the power of we.com because together is better. Most people never stop to realize that we do 99% of all of our writing on a keyboard. By learning touch typing, you can increase your writing speed up to five times. This makes it a especially important for kids to learn. On www.typekids.com, children can learn touch typing the fun way. They join Captain 40 on a treasure hunt and play different games. The course is based on an intelligent algorithm that adapts exercises to the needs of each child. Have a look at www.typekids.com and try the first three lessons for free.
portion of the This Needs to Be Said radio show has been brought to you by Project Push. Everybody, this is Rhonda Nails, a.k.a. The Success Instigator. And today I'm going to be talking about what a success instigator does. Now, before we even get into what a success instigator does, I guess you need to know what a success instigator is. You know, a lot of people, they, they want to know what it means and, and what is it that I do. Well, today I'm giving you the breakdown of what a success instigator does and, and where I got the name from and, you know, just a little bit about what it is I actually do. Now, before I can get into what I do, let me give you a little background about why I'm qualified to do what I do and why I do it. When you are little, you, you never realize the impact that um, one moment is going to have on the rest of your life. And my moment happened so quickly and so suddenly that I really don't remember life before age five. You see, at age five, I had a very traumatic accident occur, and I became blind in my left eye. And I've been blind in my left eye since age five. And because of what I thought was uh, a disability, a curse, uh, you know, an impairment, I acted out, I rebelled, and I resisted who I truly was. And I was looked at differently because I always wanted to, you know, I always wanted to fit in. And I got in trouble uh, because I wanted to fit in. And because of that, you know, it was the attention that I could only give myself is what I eventually realized. Now, as the teenage years set in, it was apparent that I have some sort of voice. However, the way in which I chose to utilize the voice, it got me in more trouble. You see, when you fail to realize uh, your purpose when it comes knocking, life has a way of providing what I like to call wake-up calls. And my wake-up calls were rape, depression, being a teenage runaway, becoming a single mother and a uh, domestic violence survivor, and probably a slew of other titles that I could name off. Now, fast forward several years, and in a brief snapshot, I've graduated from college, and I've already worked in the corporate world as a business coordinator, as a manager, as a compliance specialist, all those fancy titles in the corporate world. But in 2005, I became a notary, um, and really it was just as a means to earn additional money every now and then. And I did that by becoming a notary signing agent. And by 2009, I had launched my own statewide notary contracting business. And basically what I did was contract notaries within the state of North Carolina uh, for the same assignments that I was getting in. I would contract with different companies. And then by the end of 2010, and at the request of one of my clients, um, I was nationwide. I was contracting notaries I had never met in Hawaii or New York. I had some even in Alaska. They were in almost every state. And signature notaries, that is my nationwide notary business, and, and, and it serviced well over, you know, 3,000 clients and counting. Now, with all that being said, in the same year, what I withheld uh, in the same year, 2009, um, with absolutely no savings to my name, 
um, due to a scandalous loan modification. Um, the transmission in my car fails, and my house is preparing to be sold within seven days uh, on the court, courthouse steps. And my husband and I, we have no no choice, no option um, to save our house except to file bankruptcy. And this was one week after my 34th birthday. And all this happening within 60 days. And when I mean 60 days of, of going through, you know, the transmission fails, we have no money in our account, our house is getting ready to be sold, all that muck was happening. But between all that muck, purpose was happening, and I never realized it. Now, I thank God for a really good memory because I was sitting at home one day, and I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I started remembering the story uh, that my dad told me the same night that the police brought me home from one of my teenage runaway stints. And you have to understand that my dad was a former Marine drill sergeant. And if you know anything about drill sergeants, they yell and they yell a lot. So I was prepared uh, for the yelling uh, of a lifetime when I walked in this door with this police officer. However, um, he took me into the garage, which I got even more terrified about, but he, what he did was he explained the story and the incredible journey of the butterfly. And he explained how a caterpillar's journey into um, becoming a butterfly uh, is, is the process in which it goes through. And remembering that story in 2010, I wrote down four letters, P-U-S-H. And today I can stand here as a living witness to those four letters, P-U-S-H. And those four letters to me represent my journey of going from caterpillar to butterfly. And those four letters mean pursue until success happens. You see, what I eventually realized was that physical impairments Money issues and life simple and even complex problems, they are no match when it's time to pursue your purpose on purpose. Now, I created the organization Project Push, um, you know, whose dedication and commitment is to promote and, and educate and, and even instigate the next level of witnesses who, once like me, were at the fork in the road between giving up and giving in. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur, um, a novice, or you just want to know what this purpose thing about is about, connect with me at my website, which is project-push.org. Now, you want to know where did I get the success instigator from? Well, what I know about my shirt, my, what, what I know about myself for sure is that I don't like running with the crowd. I don't like mainstream, and I certainly don't like being part of the status quo. Now, what I do like is being creative and being the underdog who did exactly what they said I could not do. And best of all, I love instigating. Now, <laughs> I coined the term because of my ability to turn a negative into a positive. You see, everybody, everybody knows that, that when you hear the word instigate, they usually think of someone who's trying to start a 
fight or an argument, someone who, who's trying to stir up something, right? Well, what I wanted to do was take a negative that was supposed to end in a bad result and turn it into a positive, something that nobody expected. You see, I don't want to see, I don't want them to see me coming. All the turmoil and all the trouble in my life, I feel like it was only brought on so that I could learn how to take what was given to me and create an incredible underdog story. It's essentially about taking lemons and making sweet lemonade. And that is what a success instigator is, and that is who I am. So what is it that I do? Well, there are a couple things that I do being a success instigator. One of the things that I do within Project Push um, is, and I really got started on accident, um, are are video services. And what I mean by that is I I actually um, was creating a video for my notary business, Signature Notaries, and it kind of spilled into Project Push. Now, understand that Project Push really just started as a simple motivational speech that I um, delivered because my aunt was asking a favor of me. And um, it, it stemmed from there. The push, project pushed them from there. Um, and I was creating a video one day for my notary business, and um, it kind of spilled over. And the videos that I, I create now are primarily, you know, book trailers or um, educational or, or training videos, and then I do some promotional videos. And not to mention that I always make sure that whoever I'm speaking to, uh, who's a business owner or entrepreneur, that they have their own business card video and the reasons why they need it and, and why a business card video is more powerful than a business card. Um, the other service that I provide is um, coaching. And basically I provide or I give my clients the strategy of how they can become the solution provider for their customers because essentially consumers are only going to buy items or services that solve their problem because any business, it doesn't matter you know, what industry it's in, all businesses are solution providers. So, for example, one of my clients Um, They have a service that provides specific marketing and and promotional support um, for women uh, business owners. And we collaborated on building um, this downloadable product um, that can be used by her clients on a regular basis. And now we both market the product, and when the product is sold, we both generate money, so it's a win-win. So I don't coach and then send you on your way. I coach you and stay with you and make sure that, you know, while you're making money, I'm making money as well. It's a joint venture. It's a joint collaborative uh, pro- uh, project. Now, speaking of collaborative projects, the other thing that I do is, is I host online events with other entrepreneurs. And I like to con- connect with different types of entrepreneurs. It doesn't really matter uh, what your industry is. I want to be able to connect with different types of entrepreneurs because you never know what interesting tidbit you can offer to your network. You know, a recent, and, and, and this is ongoing, collaboration that I, that I do on an annual basis is, is called uh, my B4 event, and it's the letter B uh, next to the number four. And that symbolizes um, my my ebook, Big Business on a Bankrupt Budget. That's where the four Bs comes from. And it basically brings my knowledge of building a business on a bankrupt budget 
along with other entrepreneurs uh, in various fields, we come together to present this online conference to the masses. And all the entrepreneurs that I collaborate with have a specific business or offer a specific service um, that is beneficial to building business. Now, it, it kind of works like this. What I don't know about websites, uh, you know, may be offered by a speaker uh, at the conference or another entrepreneur speaker may, they may talk about health and, and wellness uh, and the importance of how to find your balance. The key is to align with like-minded entrepreneurs who have the same vision and who also want to help support others on their success journey. Now, to tie this all up, understand that instigating success is really another title for, for coach. I move you, I push you, and I ensure that you have the resources to keep you on track to reach your goals and build your success story. Now, some may call me a bully or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm too assertive, but understand that I get the job done and in the end, Everyone is happy because, really, instigate is not a bad word. It just means to start something, uh, like to urge or, or to stir something up, and that is exactly what I do. I help entrepreneurs start moving in their success journey. I urge them to action, and I stir up the gifts that are inside of them because, for me, it's not enough to motivate. That's why I instigate. This is Rhonda Nails, a.k.a. The Success Instigator. Now, if you want to connect with me online, make sure that you visit my website, which is project-push.org. I want to thank everybody for joining me, and we will catch you next time. Thanks. Everyone likes free stuff, right? What if you could access a directory full of free stuff like magazine subscriptions, ebooks, video e-courses, business consultations, online memberships, and so much more? You know, stuff like that. Deciding to become an entrepreneur is tough enough, so why not use free tools and resources to help you on your journey? Grab your piece of the free stuff at www.project-push.org. Then click on the free stuff link near the top to get started. www.project hyphen push.org. Do you like talk shows? Do you like to hear one talk, sports, current news, and even share humor and adult jokes? Then you'll love the Alice Cardinale Talk Show, which airs every Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Chef Alex Talk Show is where we're at. 347-989-1709. Dial 1 to let your voice be heard on the Alex Cranelli Talk Show. Have you ever wanted to feel more balanced? Do you wish you felt complete and whole? Do you want to be well organized and grounded? More joyful and less stressed? Would you like to have a positive outlook on life? which will in turn enable you to feel empowered? Then join us at www.metothepowerofwe.com where you will be inspired and stretched to become a better you and to discover your personal journey to greatness because together is better. Amen. I'm just feeling like greatness right now, you know? 
You ever just had one of those days where you just wake up and everything just goes your way for some reason and you just like, yo, you feeling, you just feeling like, man, you just feeling more awesome. <laughs> yeah. Woke up this morning, saw the sun shining, had a good long sleep, so I was feeling all mighty. On top of that, had a stack of pancakes on my plate, side of toast, home fried eggs, and bacon for the train, so of course, was feeling so marvelous. But he took a good breakfast, looked gorgeous. Got the relaxed, chill, bathed in water, riches. How I felt inside, my life felt fixed up. No drama after eating that good meal. Just showering, I bump my music loud as hell. And no one seems to complain for once. Had the beats to do my heart, not restrained for much. So I'm scared at this point, it's marvelous. It's usually followed by just BS. So I said to myself, let's just enjoy this. Have a drink, sit back and sing this. It got me feeling so marvelous, man. It's so marvelous. I said this beat got me feeling so marvelous, man. It's so marvelous. In this life, I'm living it marvelous, man. So marvelous. So the flow just gotta be marvelous. Stand down, you know it's always marvelous. To proceed upon a day of greatness, uh-huh. I got the brand new X-Men comic flip right through the pages. Uh-huh. I was on my way to Soho for some clothes. A brand new street wear for tonight's photo. Uh-huh. Marvelous. Loop snap hat, key chains, and fresh kicks. Even the belt and pin accessories legit. Everybody trying to catch on to the Salafield X, but they'll never get it though. My insight's incredible. The game's in the stronghold. Making myself a winner to hope. Before I say your praises, day is just beyond doing what I could have fathomed. I'm turning to Mr. Marvel. Super on the mic, loving his life just marvelous. Not for hype, the day was right. Entirely. Bugged out and parted. Everyone saw me jump and lit up. And I made my bread for all of this. So, before. They got me feeling so marvelous, man. It's so marvelous. I said this beat got me feeling so marvelous, man. It's so marvelous. In this life, I'm living it marvelous, man. It's so marvelous. So, the flow, you gotta be marvelous. Stand down, you know it's always marvelous. There will never be a point in your time in your life where it's the right time to do a great thing. If you're waiting for that perfect, perfect moment, that perfect timing is not going to happen. You know what you have to do? You have to create the perfect time and the perfect opportunity and the perfect situation. That a lot of people become comfortable. They stop growing. They stop wanting anything. They, they become satisfied. People getting ready to go to jobs that they don't like. Jobs that are making them sick. You see, when you're not pursuing your goal, you are literally committing spiritual suicide. When you have some goal out here that you're stretching for and reaching for, that takes you out of your comfort zone, you'll find out some talents and abilities you have that you didn't know you have. When the messenger of misery visits you, what are you going to do? What will keep you in the game? There are things that you think you'll never need to know that you may only need to know one time in your life, but that could save your life because you had that knowledge. Unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered, you will never grow. What is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it? That you talked yourself out of it? 
you're waiting on your next door neighbor to make it happen for you, it may not happen. If you're waiting on your mother or your father, they may be so ancient in their thinking that they don't understand this opportunity that you have. And if you're waiting on them, it may never get done. You don't beg average people to be phenomenal. You don't beg good people to be phenomenal. You just are phenomenal and you will attract phenomenal. What reason can you remember that you can call on, that you can reach on, that can make you get back up? Find that reason. If you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, if you don't have what you want, want to have, if you're not where you think you should be at this particular place, it has nothing to do with the system, but it has everything to do with the fact that you're not making the sacrifice. I want you to make that dream become a reality because if you don't, you will be working for somebody else to make their dreams become a reality. Everybody is against you or don't believe in you no more. And let me tell you something, that's a lonely feeling. It's a lonely feeling, particularly people that you're doing it for. Most people take their greatness, take their ideas to the graveyard with them. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. There are people right now who are working who don't want to work. There are people who hate their jobs, but they keep getting up to do it. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we never ever were exposed to. Ideas, dreams that never became reality. Hopes and aspirations that were never acted upon. The question is what are you going to do with your time? What drives you? Greatness is a lot of small things done well. Day after day. Workout after workout, obedience after obedience, day after day. When things don't work out for you, when things happen that you could not anticipate, what are the reasons that you can think of that can keep you strong? You will never ever be successful until you turn your pain into greatness, until you allow your pain to push you from where you are to push you to where you need to be. Stop running from your pain and embrace your pain. Your pain is going to be a part of your pride, a part of your product. I, I challenge you to push yourself. See, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. It doesn't take any motivation, any drive in order to stay down there on a low level. But it calls on everything in you. You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. I mean that what you did last week don't count. Today, today is the only important day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, and how you use those are critical. You got 86,400 today, and what you do today is going to see me who you are. Nobody's going to talk about what you did last week. That the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. There's an old African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. You have this opportunity of a lifetime. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take advantage of it in the lifetime of this opportunity. I got a thing that when life knocks you down, try and land on your back, because if you can look up, you can get up. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep. If all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, 
see, it's time now. If you want to make this your decade, you've got to start saying yes to your life. You've got to start saying yes to your dreams. Yes to your unfolding future. Yes to your potential. As opposed to saying no. When you die, die on east. Leave no dream left behind, God. Leave no opportunity left behind. When you leave this earth, accomplish every single thing you can accomplish. Listen to me. You're going to be here one day, but you'll never get here if you give up, if you give in, if you quit. And finally, guys, you got to want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you gained something from what has been shared. Special thanks to the creators of the TNTBS jingle. It was written by Lamont Champ Josie and composed by Robert Jenkins. Special thanks to our sponsors, Restoration Ministries, Church of God in Christ, where they're restoring the world through God's Word. They're located at 1204 Commercial Avenue, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Men of Action with LaShawn Huntley. Promoting social change one man at a time. They are located at menofaction.web.officelive.com. Therapeutic Concepts, Inc. with Asha Sims. They can be found at www.tconceptsinc.org. Center for Sexual Health and Education with Dr. Willahan. A Lifetime of Great Sex. They can be found at www.bestsexualadvice.com. Thank you to everyone who supports us by logging into the chat room, hanging out with us on the phone lines, and just logging in and listening online, period. Be sure to tune in each weekday at 2 p.m. right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash this needs to be said. Tell someone about the great show you just heard. Heck, if you thought it sucked, tell them anyway. Either way, tell them to tune in and share their opinion with us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email is let's talk at this needs to be said.com. There is an elephant in the room, and hey, we're going to talk about it. You were thinking it? We're going to talk about it. Until we meet again in the same place at the same time, have a super day. <laughs>